0: PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. Welcome back to our Girardi two-part episode. So we just finished the episode discussing how we got to where we are today And today we'll be discussing what is going on now with the bankruptcy proceedings against Tom. Yes. And it's, again, a lot. And we're going to do our best to
0: kind of start at a high level and then kind of funnel down into more of the
1: details. So what is a Chapter 7 bankruptcy? What is an involuntary bankruptcy?
0: Okay. So in this case, the bankruptcy that was filed against Tom personally, which is the one we're going to start with, was an involuntary bankruptcy. And that is when a petition is filed in a bankruptcy court by a creditor. And it's a creditor that's holding a non-contingent, undisputed debt. So like we were talking about in our previous episode about the Rogomez case and how a judgment was entered for a specific debt that was entered in that case by a judge saying, yes, this debt is owed, that's, that's a judgment. Sessie's going to talk about in a minute who the actual people were that filed the involuntary bankruptcy against Tom personally, but essentially what happened was there were creditors with specific debts that aren't contingent upon something else. They filed that in the bankruptcy court saying, we need the bankruptcy court to kind of take over. So it's basically like almost like going to mom and dad and saying, mom, you know, Johnny isn't paying me. And then mom who has (laughs) could, could take control over your brother's accounts can just say, "Okay, what's going on here? John, Johnny, tell me exactly where all of the why you haven't paid your brother and how much money you have, because you definitely owe him this money. So it's almost like going to mom and dad and being like, hey. This isn't... I'm not being paid. Make him pay me. And yeah, it's like... It's filed just like the way you would file a normal lawsuit and you have to prove that you do have the debt and that you can do it.
1: But there were... There's two going on here. Yeah. I think we could talk about both of them at a high level because they both are similar. It's one against Tom... Personally, and then one against Girardi Keys, which was his law firm. Yes.
0: So Girardi Keys, that law firm um, was apparently a partnership, but Tom had all the controlling. Uh, we've talked about that in our previous a couple of our previous episodes. Tom was the sole uh, person that was actually in control, but Tom's law partners, I think, had a five point nine percent interest in the partnership. And when you have a partnership, you have a duty to not do things that are bad or in bad faith or would disrupt your fiduciary duty with that partnership. So if you're in a partner legal partnership with someone, you have a duty to actually do things that benefit the partnership. And if you don't, like, for example, you embezzle money from clients or don't pay debts or take out loans that you don't actually have collateral for, that you can't pay back, that's a violation of the fiduciary duty for that partnership. And also those partners have an entitlement to income from the partnership. And so they have standing to file this involuntary bankruptcy against the actual law firm entity itself. So now after the petition's filed, then it's just, it works very similar to the way it does in another lawsuit. A summons is issued. We talked about that in our last episode. You have the choice as a petitioning creditor, you have the choice of placing the debtor in liquidation. That's chapter seven or in reorganization. That's Chapter Eleven. And here, there's not much you could reorganize, so that wouldn't make a lot of sense because you can move stuff around all you want, but Tom's still going to be deeply in debt and not have any money in both instances. So liquidation is where, like you're hearing about on the news, how his home is being sold, the Pasadena home, the furniture is being auctioned off from the like law firm it's just basically like think about it like a moving garage sale and it's everybody <laughs> shows up and
1: <laughs> they like are a fire trying, sale
0: a fire sale yeah they're like you're is it going out of business sale essentially because It's being liquidated. So if that makes makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of a high level about Chapter 7 and Chapter 11 and how those work and then also how the involuntary petition starts and is filed. And then we're going to talk more in depth about the creditors later. But just briefly, now everybody kind of gets in line. So all of the victims that have filed lawsuits saying that they haven't been paid in settlements, they get in line the Edelson case that was filed talking about how those Lion Air clients had not been paid about $2 million. Those go into the bankruptcy and the bankruptcy trustee when they're doing their fire sale, going out a business sale for Girardi personally, and then also for the law firm they all get put in that queue to get paid. And again, we'll give you more details on who those people are and stuff later. But I also wanted to talk about how bankruptcy is pretty common. I kind of wanted to let you know that especially in the world of Real Housewives, there's a lot of bankruptcies and it happens way more than we're expecting. So Orange County, I think, is the leader. It's on the leaderboard for <laughs> for bankruptcies and real housewives. And Tammy Knickerbocker filed in 2000. Alexis and Jim Bellino filed in 2010. Well, Jim Bellino filed Chapter 11, which we explained, is a reorganization for his company, Global Marine. Tamara and Simon Barney, they had another 2010 bankruptcy. And we all know about the financial crisis that happened in 2008. So that could have a lot to do with that. I don't know if I'm going to say her name right. Peggy Tanus? 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 She was a one-seasoner, so I don't really remember. She had a 2013 bankruptcy. Then in New York, moving on to New York... We are going to do an in-depth episode on Sonia Morgan, <laughs> which, by the way, we're huge Sonia fans, and we love her. And our girl Sonia has had some legal problems, but she ended up filing for bankruptcy from the fallout from the business deal gone wrong. And hers was a Chapter 11, so it was not a going out of business sale, but it was the business deal gone bad on the movie she was trying to produce starring John Travolta called Fast Flash to Bang Time, which almost sounds inappropriate, but... Yeah. Then going on to Beverly Hills, that's the runner up for the most bankruptcies. Taylor and Russell Armstrong. We will talk about this more when we get to the special counsel that was appointed with Erica's issues in the bankruptcies. But in 2005, there was a bankruptcy they filed. Then in 2011, they were sued for $1.5 million over claims of Russell's company misappropriated funds. And Ronald Richards who's the special counsel now investigating Erica in the bankruptcy, in the law firm bankruptcy. He was the one that represented Russell in the divorce and then also in the $1.5 million lawsuit against Russell. And I just want to read this quote right now and keep this in mind when we talk about it later. In the article that I'm going to post on our website, Ronald Richards said, when people want to be famous, it's worse than getting a junkie off of heroin. So yeah. Now we have divert. Dorit. Why is wrong with me? I'm turning into... Why do I turn into Ramona after a certain time of day? Um, Dorit and PK. You know that Ramona were pronounced Dorit's name wrong. You know she would never get that right. Dorit. She'd be, yeah. <laughs> she'd be worse than Kathy Hilton, probably. So, PK filed in England... And then now we've got Tom and Erica, um, Potomac, Robin, and her ex husband, Juan Dixon, filed for bankruptcy. Then in New Jersey, no surprise, Danielle Staub filed for bankruptcy. We might do an episode about Danielle at some point. Danielle's actually able to get out of some pretty hefty bills. She owed $100,000 to her ex, Stephen. Zelweski, who's suitor for defamation, Teresa and Joe, so much to talk about there, saving that for our Teresa and Joe episode, and then Jacqueline and Chris Larita in Jersey. They got involved in a bankruptcy, and it led to a $7.8 million lawsuit. We're going to have to do a whole episode about that. And then in Atlanta, Lisa Wu and Ed Hartwell. I really liked them on The Real Housewives of Atlanta, but they ended up leaving the show, filing for divorce, and then also... Uh, filing for bankruptcy. So that's a lot. That's a ton. Real Housewives, (laughs) I tried to go through it pretty quick, but it's pretty pretty common. That's so much. It's so much. (laughs) Anyway, back to Beverly Hills and back to the bankruptcies that we are talking about now.
1: Yeah. So actually, the personal and the law firm bankruptcies were brought by the same petitioners or the same creditors. So it was Jill O'Callaghan, Robert Keese, John Alvassian, Erica Saldana, Virginia Antonio, and Kimberly Archie. Jill O'Callaghan and Robert Keese. Jill O'Callaghan is filing on behalf of her late husband, who along with Robert Keese, were part of the partnership um, of the law firm. So they together owned a 5.9% share in the law firm. They're separately actually suing Tom for their interest in the firm because he got the law firm into $7 million debt without their knowledge. John Albassian, who's another one of the people who brought the bankruptcy, served as co-counsel with girardi Keyes lawyers. So that's why he's filing. And then Erica, Virginia, and Kimberly Archie, who Kimberly Archie was on the documentary on Hulu, they were former clients of Tom Girardi. So they filed both the personal bankruptcy against Tom and the law firm bankruptcy against Tom. But they're two different trustees. It's two different judges in both cases. I thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about some notable filings, starting with first the personal bankruptcy, the bankruptcy. (laughs) Ah. First, with the personal bankruptcy, some notable filings. So in both bankruptcies, Tom had to file a summary of assets and liabilities. I only looked at the personal bankruptcy one. I assume the law firm bankruptcy one is similar. Included in the summary of assets and liabilities is that Tom issued a $51 million loan to Girardi Keys for some reason. There are 77 unsecured claims by creditors. And as Angela mentioned earlier, those priority unsecured claims are paid back first. Amongst those creditors at a high level, it's the Wilshire Country Club, a bunch of other country clubs. There are utility companies like his water company, gas, electricity, golf clubs. There are some individuals Veritext, the court reporting company, filed is one of the creditors. They're the ones who, like, transcribe hearings. Erica Girardi is listed as a creditor. There are other law firms. Wells Fargo is on there. And Wells Fargo also separately sued Tom Girardi and his firm for failing to make monthly payments on office equipment. I just thought that was interesting to know maybe why Wells Fargo is in there. And he owes more than $882,000 in office equipment. Payments.
0: But on behalf of Sonia Morgan, I would like to ask if JP Morgan is on there. Is, 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 <laughs> is Are
1: they a creditor? I didn't see
0: JP Morgan. Okay, Sonia, you're, you're safe. I should look at it.
1: I mean, who knows? It seems like the whole world is on here. So, but I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of creditors can add claims as the bankruptcy proceeds because Rie Gomez wasn't one of the initial like filers of the bankruptcy petition.
0: I mean, you definitely want to get your claim in as soon as possible. And I do think that there is a certain point where there's a cutoff where you can't be added, but it's, it's you want to get in there as soon as you can.
1: Yeah. And then, so you mentioned Regomas. They are one of the families that are claims or creditors that has been given priority. And they actually already entered into a settlement with a trustee who stated that 80% of the assets recovered from Tom's estate will go to the Rigomas family. And they had a claim of nearly $12 million. And I believe that they'll be getting it all back or 80% of whatever is obtained from Tom's estate. Right. So, how much, like that. Which is great. I think they're saying, like, the house is going to is on the market for like 11 million.
0: And they thought it was overpriced, but it's like, who knows with real estate these days? You know, who knows? I know. And like, what else does Tom have? Like, well, I saw in there that they owe money to trainers in Ocala and that he owns part of a racehorse. So, oh, yeah, the horses. <laughs> yeah.
1: I thought you would want to talk about that. I mean, just that. I was like, okay, so you're literally. <laughs>
0: had to buy everything (laughs) like come on right so erica in the personal bankruptcy filed a homestead exemption and if you have a home or you're gonna buy a home you probably know that there is law in place called the homestead exemption saying that your your homestead which if so if you have one home you declare that as your homestead but like let's say you're fancy people and you've got vacation homes And whatever, like whatever home you designate as your homestead, that has some special protections because they don't want to take your actual dwelling place from you or take away all of your
1: rights to that and leave you homeless in a bankruptcy, essentially. Mm -hmm. She filed a... It was like a partial objection to the settlement, like the 80% settlement that I just mentioned for Rigomez saying that she had a homestead ex- exemption and basically saying Erica's rights in and and to exempt property are senior to the enforcement of a money judgment. And that's just kind of like pointing out the order of operations that these things should go in. Yeah. Basically that Erica's homestead exemption should be considered before the payout to Rigoma's. And I think like morally it seems ridiculous, just let them have their money like. St- preventing them from getting their money, but it is it is the legal order of operations. So I mean, her
0: attorney, that is the I mean, when you're representing someone, that's the right thing to do is to file Mm -hmm. and say that homestead objective, like it's there. Like that's not, there's nothing untoward about that.
1: And then another notable filing is that the trustee in the personal bankruptcy hired a law firm to investigate Erica's assets to see if she's in possession of any assets that should be the creditors. In the application to hire the law firm as special counsel, the trustee noted that he had been informed by Erica that she does not have any community property in, in possession, except for certain household items, and that what she does have were alleged gifts from the debtor, a.k.a. Tom, which she claims are her separate property. So the trustee requires special counsel to seek recovery of estate assets from Erica or third-party transferees of Erica. And this is what I've been calling the gift defense. She's saying, I don't have anything. I only have some household items, which I'm assuming are the couches <laughs> she stole from Tom. I was like, did you
0: really just In say the- stole on camp? <laughs> <laughs> did
1: you? Like... You said, stole- Yeah, like, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's saying everything else was a gift from Tom. And we've received many questions about this. Is that a legit defense? Can she just be like, oh, no, everything I got was just a gift. It doesn't belong to any of the creditors. It's not part of a community property. <laughs>
0: what? Yeah. So, so here's how this just basically works out in California. And it, honestly, reading the rule, to me, it's kind of common sense. So the gift defense is... Like, okay, let's say that Ceci and her boyfriend get married, they live in California, and he gives her, on their two-year anniversary, he gives her a pair of sapphire earrings or something, okay? That would be a gift. That's that's something that is for Ceci, unless, unless the earrings were... so fancy and so expensive and within the bounds of like how much Ceci and her husband make it's like this is an exorbitant amount so it, like it the, the court looks at the entire circumstances of a couple's income and if there's a purchase or an asset that is massive compared to the rest of the assets that the couple has then they're going to say that's not a gift there's no way that's a gift that's community property it makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. so watching the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and they even flash back to this, I think, in the recent episode where, and I think also in the documentary, where Erica's given that painting, the Chagall, and Erica talks about how these paintings sometimes go for over a million dollars. Now, reading the rule, I would say if Tom and Erica hadn't been embezzling funds and instead had, and again, this is allegedly... And I'm not saying can do anything about it. I'm being whatever. But like, let's say that they, there was no evidence that they had done any of that. And instead they had been upstanding citizens and Tom had invested all of the money wisely in, they actually had all of the money that they should have from all of the stuff that Tom has done over the years. Then because their actual assets would be so great, the fact that he gave her a $1 million painting wouldn't be a big deal because they'd have so many millions of dollars. Now, the fact that Tom is deeply, deeply, deeply in debt, both personally and through his business, it's like when he gave her that painting, he didn't have any money. That's community property. That's not a gift. It's going to go in the fire sale liquidation, I would say, because that's just that's just how it works.
1: Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. So it doesn't matter whether or not if it, <laughs> it was a gift if you got it from ill-gotten money, right? right? Like, it just... Well, yeah. So like also it's
0: it's like so that rule exists doubly for I would say that determination would exist doubly for Tom and Erica's situation. Because one, the money that they did have or that he was using or however he got that painting was not from sources that should have been used to buy the painting. So then it's it's not a gift because it shouldn't have been purchased in the first place. And then two, because like they were deeply in debt, even if he did somehow buy it with his own money at that point, then when you look at like how they were actually financially positioned, it's community property because there they were there wasn't money like to freely be giving gifts in reality even if tom had lost all of his money just without doing anything nefarious the fact that they were deeply in debt when he gave her that painting would mean that it's community property so that's not a good mm. It's, it's not, there's not, I wouldn't say that's a good defense
1: in this situation. No. I also read that if a trustee thinks that the pers- purpose of the high value pre-petition gift was to get rid of assets, the trustee can go after the recipient of the gift, aka Erica, to get that value back yes. for the creditors. Yes. So like, if it was a fraudulent transfer for the purpose of getting the money out, then I they can go after it. I think this has happened yeah.
0: a lot in California. There's a lot of very wealthy people there. There's a lot of high-profile divorces. There's, you know, I mean, I don't, <laughs> the movie industry is there. And so the California actually has the Fraudulent Transfers Act, which is a specific law that forbids these types of behaviors. Essentially saying you can't create a shell company and then transfer all of your money or assets into a shell company that's wholly owned by your brother, and then file for bankruptcy a year later and be like, oh, soup, I'm broke. I don't have anything. And you, these aren't my assets. so You can't have them. Just like I think we've heard of people filing for divorce. And then it's like they put all the like the husband put all the money in their brother's or cousin's or mistress's name. And so he's like, well, I don't have any assets in my mm-hmm. name. California has a specific law that says you can trace that stuff and how it happened and then bring a claim based on that Fraudulent Transfers Act. And that was also the act that was cited by who I think right now is Ceci Nye's personal hero is uh, the Edelson attorney that said Mm -hmm. (laughs) when he finally listed Erica as a actual defendant. Yeah. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
1: Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a T-shirt.
0: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care.
1: Interesting. And there's a financial affairs or statement of financial affairs for individuals. There are questions that are asked. And it says, within two years before you filed for bankruptcy, did you sell, trade, or otherwise transfer any property to anyone other than property transferred in the ordinary course of your business or financial affairs? Another question. Within two years before you filed for bankruptcy, did you give any gifts with a total value of more than $600 per person? Yeah. 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 I didn't I didn't look up and see if Tom filled that out, but those yeah. are questions that they ask. Yeah, so. So it's not. And here, I mean, here it's going to be especially difficult
0: because supposedly Tom, like we talked about in our last episode, is under, but not supposedly, he is under the conservatorship because he has, he says, Alzheimer's. And so they're saying, like, he doesn't know where things are. So now it's up to the trustee in the bankruptcies to actually go through all those documents and really do whatever they can find to do forensic accounting. I was really impressed by how much the trustee in the both both bankruptcies had gotten done. I mean, this involves so much work. You actually have to go into, you have to interview people that worked for him. So they're really doing, quietly, diligently doing this forensic accounting where they ask to actually keep paying a couple of Tom's employees because they know where documents are they know they can help them find the accounts. They can help them do all of this stuff. And they've actually been able to find funds and pay out some of the
1: victims that are creditors. Yeah. What, sorry, going back to the gift thing, I forgot. What about if like Erica starts claiming that all of her, I don't know, Gucci bags were gifts from Gucci? What happens? That then?
0: does not fall under the gift exception. So California is a community property state, which means that whatever you gained while you were married, whatever assets you gained, and also as we talked about in our last episode, whatever it's that you gained, those are community property. So like if Cartier gifted her that Panther ring that we all saw when she I think one of the first seasons she was when she joined. Yeah, when yeah. she joined if Cartier gifted her that then that would be part of the she's gonna have to fork that over and it's gonna be sold in the fire sale. And because that's community property because she was married to Tom. Yeah. It's equally Tom's property and they owe the debts equally.
1: All right. So moving on to the law firm bankruptcy. So we were talking about the personal bankruptcy. I thought it would be good to talk about some notable filings there. So similar to the law firm that was hired as special counsel to investigate Erica in the f- law firm bankruptcy, they have similarly hired a special counsel who is Ronald Richards, who you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And he has the similar role of overseeing or investigating Erica's asset to see if any should go back to the creditors.
0: This is, I mean, normally bankruptcies are pretty boring and no one's going to be that interested in what's going on with them unless you're personally involved with the bankruptcy because you're owed money. So Ronald Richards has been appointed to investigate Erica specifically to see if she has committed any of these fraudulent transfers that We've been talking about that they're accused of. I know there's a lot of stuff on social media showing, hey, Erica knew about some of these loans and that EJ Global received money from the Tom's law firm. And it it may or may not be Erica's signature on some of those things. Also, when we talked earlier about like the Homestead exemption, like supposedly she signed some things with that. That hasn't been investigated yet. So Ronald Richards is supposed to be going through and looking for all these things. And he's filed several motions in the law firm bankruptcy. These are called 2004 motions. And those are motions in a bankruptcy court where the person that's doing the investigation is petitioning for an examination. So he's done that for her divorce attorney wanting to know how she paid the divorce attorney and wanting to know other things. She did that for, you know, we all know that she got that new house that she's renting. He did that for her landlord who owns the house, wanting to know how she's paid for the the house that she's renting. And then, Ceci, there was a third one.
1: Yeah, so that her account manager... And in all of these filings, I think it's notable that he has said, Ronald Richards, a special counsel, that he already confirmed that the debtor has admitted in numerous filed tax documents that Erica's related companies have received over 20 million dollars according to the tax documents spanning multiple years. So that is Ronald Richards confirming that Erica received $20 million. Well, EJ Global, right? Like not... Well, yeah, yeah, according to the... It says Erica. Erica has created new companies after the news broke of the scandal, which appears to simply be a successor company. So after all these court filings and cases, she created a new company, which she supposedly then transferred the assets into. And that's like the Pretty Mess Inc. or something. And so the account manager of Pretty Mess Inc. is who... Ronald Richards is now seeking to investigate and she wants they want to know, like, how is she paying him? Right. They want to trace all the funds as much as they can. And so those are like the hot, hot ticket documents to me, like those three filings.
0: Yeah, they'll have to file an answer. And just also to let people know, we haven't seen the tax filings that he's talking about. Typically, your tax records are confidential. That isn't always the case, but we haven't we haven't looked at them to confirm what's been said. Yeah,
1: my understanding is that whatever goes in those, they have to be truthful and accurate. Yeah, so, that'd be like
0: like signing yeah. Rule Eleven in federal court. Like you can't you can't file something as an attorney in court and had not vouched for its accuracy
1: yeah and another quote that i thought was great that they wrote in the 2004 petition for the account manager was as each day goes by erica has been publicly dissipating community assets by selling her clothes on public websites flaunting large jewels on social media and television has done nothing to assist in return structured firm payments mm. so they're flat out saying that she's like blocking their investigation into her financial documents i mean if that's true that's bad yeah (laughs) something else to note is that erica gerardi's counsel withdrew oh yeah or filed a motion to withdraw as counsel and then two days later (laughs) the dismissed they withdrew (laughs) i I was gonna say dissolved uh Uh, they filed a motion to
0: withdraw and then they withdrew the motion that they but it
1: was also called dismissal slash withdraw yeah so yeah i was gonna say dissolved that's not right (laughs) um (laughs) Yeah, so then two days later they exited out. And Richards, Ronald Richards in one of those two thousand four filings, claims that the reason that they withdrew his counsel initially is because Richards claims that he gave them irrefutable evidence that included a notarized form signed by Erica and other irrefutable evidence, including a court order that Erica had received improper funds from Girardi Keyes. He claims that that is the reason why Erica's counsel filed the, mo- the motion to withdraw as her counsel. I. So all Ronald Richards can do is speculate because
0: he is not, we did a post on this on our Instagram, but kind of explaining briefly attorney client privilege, but this is Richards speculating because he's not Erica's attorney. He wasn't part of those conversations. He's saying, here's the timeline of what I did and that in his opinion, it's, irrefutable evidence but he's those we don't know why her attorneys withdrew and then withdrew their withdrawal <laughs> we yeah. we won't and we, we won't because it's that's privileged information so that just i want to say that is speculation that ronald richards is doing
1: and i think he would admit that oh yeah and then i think we should talk about like you were going to about how erica didn't want him to be special counsel.
0: Yeah. So there's been two motions at this point filed asking <laughs> that Ronald Richards not be appointed or else. And then the second motion that he be removed from the appointment because the court did approve it. The first one specifically claiming there's various conflicts that Ronald Richards has because his law firm has clients that are owed money by Girardi Keese. And so when Ronald Richards is appointed as special investigator it's a con- it's a contingency fee so he gets a percentage of whatever he finds and recovers so they're saying that there's a conflict between Richards own self interest in getting paid and what he recovers and then also like what the clients in the other bankruptcy like the, what they're owed like, so they said there's a conflict there they mentioned like they tried to bring up a couple
1: other conflicts they tried to get a gag order placed on him as yeah. well they asked the court to put a gag order because he's been so i guess expressive or outright anti erica in his social media so they tried to get the court to get him to stop doing that and the judge said i'm not he said right and the first yeah
0: after the first one the judge said he denied the order like asking ronald richards to not
1: post about this or make public commentary regarding he said he has a, a right to express his views that was the quote Ronald Richards has a right to express his views, so. But then Erica re-upped her objection and filed a motion for reconsideration, saying, Judge, you got it wrong. We have new evidence as to why you got it wrong. Yeah. He shouldn't be special counsel. Yeah. Yeah. So What is that? So
0: there's a California ethics rule that basically prohibits an attorney that is working on a case to – it prohibits them from – okay, here's what it says. So it's, it's California Rule 3.6 of the California Rules of Professional Conduct. And those are the rules that apply to attorneys that say here's like your ethics rules, here's your professional conduct, here's how we expect you to behave. And it says a lawyer who is participating or has participated in the investigation of a matter – shall not make an extrajudicial, so that's like outside of court statement that the lawyer knows or reasonably should know, will one be disseminated by means of public communication, and two, have a substantial likelihood of materially prejudicing <laughs> an adjudicative <laughs> okay, I gotta say it, Maxine. Have a substantial likelihood of materially God, I can't talk. A substantial likelihood of materially prejudice I can't say it, Sessie Say prejudicing. Thank you. A substantial likelihood of materially prejudicing an adjudicated proceeding in the matter. So you're allowed to make statements, but you can't make statements that you know will cause prejudice to the proceeding. And you are entitled to a jury trial on issues in bankruptcy court and what her counsel, what Erica's counsel is trying to say is that these statements that Richards is making, even though he's saying they're in his opinion, are inappropriate because they're going to prejudice Erica. And obviously they are being disseminated by public communication because he's posting them on Twitter. And I think that's going to be like kind of hard to prove because everybody is so interested in this case. I mean, we're doing a podcast about it. There's like a million Instagram accounts that post things everybody wants to know. There's been a whole Hulu documentary. So the fact, and then Erica is going on TV herself. I think it would be one thing if she had maybe just shut everything down, shut down our social media, not appeared on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. and at least was like making some effort to not be in the public eye, but just playing devil's advocate here. I think it's going to be difficult for them to argue that, she's actually going to have prejudice because the attorney that's investigating her has opinions.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know the rules as well, but the, the way he, his tweets come across, do seem a little improper to me. But again, I don't know the rules. That's just going off my gut.
0: I mean, I, I, my personal opinion is that because the, like, I really like the way the Edelson attorney has been handling it. He's been saying, I'm not going to take money Until after, I'm sure everyone's gotten paid that I'm filing this for. He's been very, he didn't say anything negative about Erica, really. He just was like, you know, we were concerned when she filed for divorce. He has encouraged the other attorneys to, in California and other places, if they're representing victims, to not take fees until they are sure everyone's going to get fully paid what they should have gotten for their original settlements. And then I think part of it is, look, there's been some mistrust And clearly a huge blight on the legal profession because of this person stealing uh, allegedly from widows and orphans. So for you to the day you get appointed to do interviews on YouTube and to post all of these things and your opinions on your Twitter account, that's time that could be spent. Researching, And I know he's got people working for him, but I think that's part of the issue that people have with it.
1: Well, I guess now I'm playing devil's advocate. (laughs) He said originally in his reply to Erica's first opposition motion that him being on Twitter and being so active has given him a lot more insight and information that he wouldn't have otherwise gotten. Yeah. So he said that it's actually benefiting him. And I think that's true.
0: Yeah. Because, you know, people are messaging him on social media saying, hey, here's you should look into this or hey, I know this. And you wouldn't have that kind of access to somebody that's doing an investigation if
1: they weren't out there publicly. So I, I can mm-hmm. see that I
0: can see that argument too.
1: Yeah. but then so he has something I, I also they put in their motion is that Richards has been tweeting with Miss Archie, Archie, which was one of the creditors that filed the initial mm-hmm. bankruptcy or like the involuntary bankruptcy. So they're, they're, they're not kind tweets. He says, Kimberly, to call yourself a victim is abusive to the word, is one of his tweets. And I just don't know the law well enough to say whether or not that's okay because she's one of the creditors and he's supposed to be investigating Erica's assets on behalf of the creditors. So
0: I guess we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it it seems kind of it makes you feel uncomfy, you know, like. Yeah, uncomfy, definitely. (laughs) like. Do you remember, I don't know, like when we were in law school and I was in law school like. Because I'm, like, a million years ago. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I remember, like, like a professor made a joke, but they were like, if you are doing legal ethics, one way to think about it is if it looks bad, don't do it. Even, you know, in the, even if that's not, like, a specific rule, if it just, like, why like why do you need to, like, comment? Yeah, it could just seem unnecessary and not necessarily helpful in any way, you know, it's like, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I guess we'll see what happens. The judge didn't deny the motion to reconsider. Usually like the judge can decide whether they're going to take it up or not. The judge said that he is going to take it up and that Ronald can file a motion in response and then that they'll have a hearing on it. So that's the where we stand with that. I guess we'll see what happens. But I will say that Ronald Richards has been really taking his role seriously from what I can tell with all those 2004 motions. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, yeah, he's definitely making efforts to say we're going to figure out. I mean, but he also does make some kind of threatening comments in these in these 2004 motions. Like, I want to... Oh, okay. Moreover, so this is a quote. Moreover, to further hide assets, she has created a successor company using the same CPA and management company. They will be the next targets of the 2004 motion shortly. It's it's pretty unusual to actually like refer to someone as a target in a pleading. It just Mm -hmm. doesn't have um, like the right connotations,
1: you know, like. But he did it. I mean, he filed those, like, a couple days later. It
0: was not an idle threat, that's for sure.
1: But I guess we will see what happens with... I mean, this will be ongoing, both of the bankruptcies. The personal Girardi bankruptcy and the law firm bankruptcy will be ongoing. And that's where our attention is now because the other cases are stayed. So I guess we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with Ronald Richards. We'll see what else is filed in the bankruptcies. We'll see. I guess we won't see the documents that anyone produces unless someone attaches it to something, but we'll see. We'll try and pull as much as we can. Yeah. And follow One along. thing I
0: wanted to mention briefly, because I am just incredibly interested to see how this is going to play out. Erica hasn't given, as far as we know, a deposition or done any sworn testimony under oath where she's could possibly in some way either perjure herself or whatever. She hasn't done any of that. And because there's all of these allegations that things, I mean, Ronald Richards is making outright allegations Mm -hmm. saying that, yes, this stuff has been stolen, has been misappropriated. And these things could be, if they are true, federal crime. So she would have the fifth amendment right to not incriminate herself And in the United States of America, we have that right, even if there's no criminal charges that have been filed. And even if what's going on right now, which is all civil right now, even if it's in a civil case, if she's called to give a deposition in a civil case, she could claim the Fifth Amendment and not answer if she believes that her answer could incriminate her in a criminal proceeding. But the way that works is you have to you have to say you can't just say show up for your deposition and say it once. You have to say it to every single question that gets asked. So, if, I mean, one example of this is like the Salahis from like the one season of the Real Housewives of DC when they like snuck into that federal <laughs> building and the White House. Yeah, the, yeah, they snuck into the White House, the federal building. You know that White one House. that one big building where like the president <laughs> is like when they. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Okay. (laughs) I'm smart. I swear. When they they snuck into the White House and then they got called to to give congressional testimony, they, to every single answer, they said, "I, I assert my, on the advice of counsel, I assert my fifth amendment privilege to not incriminate myself. And they said that, I think like 120, 75 times. So I don't know. Like we may, I think it's going to be really frustrating for everybody, but we may not hear yeah. Erica testify.
1: Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But that's the end of our Gervardi update until until we get more filings.
0: <laughs> Which will be very soon. We're trying to keep up, mm-hmm. you guys.
1: <laughs> I know.
0: So in the meantime, follow us on Instagram. We also have a Twitter account. And share us with your friends because we are really enjoying making this for you guys.
1: Yeah. All right. Thank you. Bye.